Geekville Radio. Hello once again all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, Mayor Geekville, and the host of Geekville Radio. Coming at you with another Star Wars-themed episode this week. We're going to talk the shake-up as far as future Star Wars movies go, and then we will follow up with a review of The Mandalorian Chapter 18, The Minds of Mandalore. This week in Geek News. Variety has reported that two previously announced Star Wars movies, one from Kevin Feige and one from Patty Jenkins, are no longer in development. Now, Patty Jenkins was tapped to do Rogue Squadron that was originally set for a December 2023 release. That's this year, as of this recording. Rogue Squadron, of course, had a successful novel and comics run. There were several Rogue Squadron titles under Dark Horse back in the day in the mid-90s. And there were several novels. I think Michael Stackpole had a few of them. And they centered around a Rogue Squadron led by Wedge Antilles, because, of course, Luke Skywalker would go on to be a Jedi, probably didn't have time to lead a fighter squadron. But this film no longer seems to be in development, and and no real update as to why. Now, Patty Jenkins was, of course, also tapped to do a third Wonder Woman film, but that film for DCU and Warner Brothers is in what you might call development hell or development heck, because... Obviously, the DCU is being rebooted, rebranded under James Gunn. And depending on who you talk to, that has something or nothing to do with why Patty Jenkins is no longer attached to the third Wonder Woman movie. We also didn't really get any plot details on what the Rogue Squadron movie would have been about, although it's a pretty safe bet it would have been about Rogue Squadron. Just call it a hunch. Now, as far as Kevin Feige goes, no plot details were released about his movie, but he had hired Michael Waldron to write the screenplay. He wrote the screenplay for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. But a few months after being tapped to write his Star Wars movie, Waldron was then hired to write the Avengers Secret Wars screenplay, which of course will tie up the current three phases of Marvel with the Kang Dynasty and Marvel's Secret Wars, and it'll presumably bring all past facets of Marvel movies into one coherent story. That's the rumor anyway. Now, a while back when Doctor Strange in the Mouth of Madness was released, Michael Waldron did a interview with Variety where he was asked about the Star Wars movie, where he said, we're finally into it in earnest. I mean, I'm writing away. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying having the freedom on that to do something that is not necessarily a sequel or anything. It maybe has a little bit less of a... It just doesn't have a bunch of TV shows and movies that you're servicing on top of it, the way I did with Doctor Strange. So it's nice. It feels like a different exercise. So it looks like that movie would have been another standalone movie that wouldn't have been connected to anything currently being produced as far as movies or TV for Star Wars. Kevin Feige is, of course, the head honcho at Marvel Studios, and he's kind of the editor-in-chief, you might say, of the MCU, and is kind of the continuity cop to make sure that 
everything makes sense and that there is this coherent timeline between all the Marvel movies. There was speculation when his Star Wars movie was announced that he could be replacing Kathleen Kennedy as the president of Lucasfilm. I never really put much stock into that. I never really talked about it here just because I didn't think it was something that would happen. Because, I mean, he's got the gig at Marvel Studios. There's something like 15 or 20 titles all currently in development by Marvel Studios. That's a lot of work. And I don't know if he would leave that just to become president of Lucasfilm. I, I probably shouldn't say just become because that's no small feat in its own right. But I've said before that Star Wars needed that continuity cop, needed that person to help make everything make sense because under George Lucas, George was the writer, but he was also the executive producer and hired everybody who worked on the film. Kathleen Kennedy, as impressive as her resume is, you you just look at that woman's IMDb page, there's some amazing titles to her credit. She never really was one for creative, whereas George did both. She could be part of creative and he could handle the business aspect of things. Now, Kevin Feige, I don't know if he does much in creative, but he certainly has done a great job as far as keeping the movies coherent with each other. Now, one film that is allegedly still in development, getting back to Star Wars, Taika Waititi, his film is apparently still in development, and he may actually have a role on it. I don't think he's going to cast himself as the lead. I think he'll do similar like what he did in his two Thor movies where he played Korg. He'll play some sort of comedy side character. That's another one there hasn't been any plot details about, but there is also a film rumored to be in development with Charmaine Obeid Chinoy at the helm as director. She's probably best known for doing documentaries, and she did, I believe, two episodes of Miss Marvel for Disney+. Plus. And the scriptwriters of Watchmen and Counterpart, Damon Lindelof and Justin Britt Gibson, were writing the screenplay for that. But that, I don't think, has been officially announced by Lucasfilm or Disney at all. And there really hasn't been any update on Taika's movie since it was announced. There's also been nothing on Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy since it was announced way back in 2017, right before The Last Jedi came out. I'm not going to pile on Last Jedi. There's plenty of other podcasts and content that I've talked about that you know, to tell you my thoughts on The Last Jedi. And of course, as I say always when I talk about Ryan Johnson, Knives Out is a great film. But it doesn't really seem like it's promising that he will be back in a galaxy far, far away anytime soon because he's got the Knives Out sequel Glass Onion. I believe he's got a series in development as well. He's going to do another Knives Out sequel for Netflix, so that's a couple years worth of work right there. Now, Star Wars Celebration is in about three or four weeks. It'll be April 7th through the 10th in London, England. And Star Wars Celebration really is when a lot of updates are announced and any new projects are announced because that's their own little celebration. It's like the Star Wars Woodstock, you might say. And I've been to a couple celebrations. It's great stuff, a lot of fun. I love geek conventions as a whole. But 
alas, I don't have the time or resources to travel to Europe for this, so I will be watching this on YouTube and watching as much coverage as I can, much like the rest of you. But I think it's safe to say we'll get some sort of update, if not some sort of teaser, for any of those movie projects. We'll also get updates on Acolyte. I'm sure we'll find out if there's going to be a second season of Book of Boba Fett. Just kind of go down the list. I think we'll get updates on all of those. So with the news out of the way, let's dive into Chapter 18 of The Mandalorian, The Minds of Mandalore. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler hole has been breached! Now, last week's premiere set the stage for Season 3. You know, Will Din Djarin has to bathe in the living waters of Mandalore in order to gain his redemption. He got the go-ahead from Bo-Katan to scope out Mandalore. And this episode picks up on Tatooine during Bunta Eve, which is a major holiday on Tatooine that is actually a reference to the Phantom Menace because that's when the big pod race is held in the Phantom Menace. If you listen to the dialogue closely, they talk about the Bunta Eve classic or the Bunta Eve race or something to that effect. And that is the one of the big celebrations. It's you know like a NASCAR race for Independence Day or something like that, to give a American analogy. But Din and Grogu return to Tatooine. They meet with Pelimato. She offers him R5-D4 to help him navigate and scout the surface of Mandalore since IG-11 could not be revived. So this means R5-D4 is seeing his first real action aside from just blowing his motivator like he did in the original Star Wars. And R5 is a bit of a coward. It's played for comedy more than anything but I've always been a big R5-D4 fan. I always liked the look of the droid. I've had several R5-D4 action figures over the years, so it was cool to see him back. We also saw a lot of Mando talking to Grogu as he is piloting around, and I think that kind of doubles as telling us, the audience, what he's doing, and having somebody for Mando to talk to makes it a little easier for that to happen, because it really wouldn't make much sense for Mando to just be kind of flying around in space, just talking out loud to himself about what he could be doing or what all these gauges and screens mean, because nobody's going to do that, at least not talking out loud. But R5 is dispatched, scoping out Mandalorian's atmosphere. He gets gobbled up by some humanoid-looking things, then has to save him, but then gets captured himself by some, like a cross, it's like a giant bionic insect or something like that. I have no idea what those species are called, but it's like a robotic spider that hides inside a larger robotic spider. That's probably the best way I could describe that. And Grogu has to zip off in the Starfighter with R5 to get Bo-Katan's help. She's able to free him and guides him to the waters of Mandalore where he can achieve his but, of course, that can't go unchallenged either. Din gets swallowed up in the waters. bo dives down after him, and that's when she quickly finds herself face-to-face with none other than the Mythosaur, which is the mythological creature, which I'm assuming is why the name Mythosaur is used, in Mandalorian legend. And it is actually the creature whose skull is used for the Mandalorian symbol that we've seen Boba Fett use 
and other Mandalorians over the years with the skull and the tusks and all that. That is the skull of a mythosaur. So it seems like the next episode is going to deal with the fact that the mythosaur is not only real, but alive. And it'll be interesting to see how other Mandalorians, other clans may react to the mythosaur being around. Is this a creature that has been living down there this whole time and was only kind of coming out of its lair because the planet was decimated? Or could this be a Godzilla thing where it was a creature maybe that was infused with some sort of power after whatever raised Mandalore? I think Star Wars already did its Godzilla tribute with the Zillow Beast, so maybe that's not the best idea. But maybe like a Loch Ness Monster. You know, the character that thought was to be a legend, but maybe people one day find out may have been true all along. I think that's maybe what we're going to go with, is if the Loch Ness Monster was real or something like that. So yeah, this was a good episode. It's a step up from the previous one, and I liked the previous episode. I liked Chapter 17, so it's not to knock the previous episode thinking this one was better. I think it's going to be cool to see how these other Mandalorians get together that Din's probably going to spend the rest of the season recruiting. Like I said, I think we're going to get that magic number seven, and we're going to end on a big tribute to the classic Western, The Magnificent Seven. I also couldn't finish up this review without mentioning this past week's episode of Bad Batch. I think if that episode of Bad Batch that aired on the 8th, the same day as the Mandalorian episode was released, if that had been live action, I think it would have been heralded as the best episode of anything. Because while it was depressing as hell, it was also really, really good. It's showing how the clones are kind of getting cast to this aside, and there's the ethics question of how do you treat these people since they were basically created for one purpose, to fight a war. And now that purpose is done. Where do you go? I think most of us would agree. You know, treat them like people. They didn't have any control over how they were made. And just the whole idea of Crosshair being the kind of by-the-book soldier, good soldiers follow orders, and he guns down his own commanding officer to close out the episode. I think that was a really awesome end uh, to that episode, kind of the new twist in the character, because he started seeing his Bad Batch brethren, so to speak. I think he started seeing their side of things at the end of the last season, where they were forced to work together to survive. And the way he's seeing the Empire just treat his kind like cattle, we may finally see him come around and maybe not rejoin the Bad Batch full-time, but maybe sacrifice himself to save them or something to that effect. We'll see how that goes. And that's going to bring us to the end of this episode of Geekville Radio. I want to thank you folks for listening. You, if you like what you hear, let us know. We can be found on social media, Geekville Radio at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or if there's something you don't like, if you, if there, if you don't like us, you can let us know there as well. I welcome all feedback as long as it's genuine. Geekville Radio is also the website. You can subscribe there. You can post on any of the blogs or reviews or episodes that I post there as well. You can find us on the podcast review choosing, the podcast platform. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, just about anywhere you can find 
podcast. You can find Geekville Radio. Just do a search for us. You can find our us and our plethora of other shows, including Examining the Dead, where Train and I talk horror, Examining the Doctor, where Mark Short and I talk Doctor Who. We got the Lesson on Geek Hall of Fame, where we talk maybe some of the unsung heroes of pop culture and geekery of the past, and a nostalgia trip where we kind of talk pop culture in general. So all those are available at geekvilleradio.com. Give us a like, give us a follow, give us feedback. So that I'm going to shut down the power here in the Geekville Radio studios, and we will talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.